Welcome back, everyone. It's episode 69, dudes. This is Charles Murphy hanging out, as always, with Charles Villanueva. Um, crazy, we have made it to the record-breaking 69, dudes. Uh, episode of Murphy's Law. Who knew that we'd get here this far? Um, and I feel like this is the 400th episode that we've recorded um, during the COVID pandemic. Uh, things are yeah. things are getting wild all over the place. Uh, we've got a little bit of news this week. And we're really excited to talk about the Mando season two premiere. But before we dig into all that, let's check in with Charles and see what's going on. Uh, nothing much is going on except that the Philippines just um, went through, I guess, the biggest typhoon. At least according to, to um, the Internet, the, the strongest typhoon that the Earth has seen in probably centuries. So we're kind of reeling in from that. Fortunately for me, where I'm currently at, it's not that bad. But uh, my thoughts definitely go out to those in the provinces who really got fucking pummeled. I showed Charles a picture of like, like a, a bunch of houses buried in fucking giant ass boulders, which I still don't understand how that that happened. But it just goes to show how scary nature can be when it gets pissed. So uh, yeah, it's crazy. But how about you? What has been going on with you? Yeah, before we get in, like to that, you, the, the pictures that you showed me are just absolutely insane. I have no idea other than there was some awful rock slide. But like you said, there were hundreds of people buried beneath them. So, yeah, obviously, 2020 has taken no prisoners. But we hope that as many people as possible can get rescued from that disaster over there. That was that was terrifying. Um, here, here, things are crazy. Um, it's getting wild in Michigan with, with the coronavirus cases just skyrocketing. We're almost 4,000 a day uh, right now. And, uh, it's, you know, it's getting scary and, um, you know, things are, uh, <laughs> things are just a completely, completely crazy as we approach the end of 2020. So it's nice to have, uh, the Mando here finally. So I get some escape on the weekends and, uh, it's just a little bit of news that we've had, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, one of the more terrifying times I can remember as far as being a teacher goes, as we keep plugging away at work every single day pretty much just waiting for something bad to happen also isn't it like election day like tomorrow or yeah tuesday? i mean it's tuesday so it's a sunday when we record this and um yeah election day is just two days away which is i've never i can't remember you know i'm 44 i can't remember a time where so many people were scared uh of of what's going to happen on election day and it's not even about who wins or loses but there just seems to be some real uh, some real fear out yeah. there that there's going to be some violence, and that's crazy to me because I cannot remember anything like that ever happening before. Yeah, I guess it's the fate of the uh, of uh, the United States. We're going to find out what's going to happen to it in uh, in just a couple of days when we record the uh, the the pod episode next week. We're going to find out right who's who wins. Yeah, we should definitely have a very good idea by then. Okay, that'll be fucking crazy. But I guess we should go right now to. The biggest news that dropped the entire week, we finally know who, who Mark Spector is in the MCU, and they got none other than Oscar Isaac, one of the biggest stars in the world. Um, certainly for me, his casting definitely came as a surprise, considering the, the two other names we heard um, just a day before the, 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 the casting drop. So hearing Oscar Isaac, you know, he, he just, he, he's coming off of Star Wars. His experience in Star Wars doesn't seem to be like super duper, I guess, fulfilling for him. And of course, we know him as Apocalypse and that shitty Apocalypse, Apocalypse film. So, you know, Oscar Isaac is definitely one of those cases where he's going to, I guess, 
he's gonna find a way to redeem his uh, I guess comic book geek status with Mark Spector. But what are your th- thoughts with this casting? How do you feel about Oscar Isaac becoming Mark Spector in the MCU? Uh, I was I was thrilled to have someone the caliber of Oscar Isaac get the role. He's one of my favorite actors. And I don't blame him if he was unsatisfied with his role as Poe in Star Wars. There wasn't really much to it. Um, certainly not what, you know, what I thought it would be or I don't obviously what he thought it would be. Um, but yeah, that, to find someone like that willing to take on this role is crazy. I think I talked about online uh, a couple of the films that I've seen with him where away from Star Wars and certainly not that awful role as Apocalypse. But he's a he's a very talented actor. And I think he's going to find a challenge in playing this role and i'm interested to see exactly what direction they take it but yeah for for someone like that um to to land the role and it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting and i think it it kind of gives you an idea of how big of a deal they're gonna look to make moon knight over the next five to ten years oh yeah for sure with with someone of his status and someone of his caliber yeah they're definitely they want to they want to make moon knight part of the big leagues the same the same way they they, they did it up to Cap with Thor because we know Oscar Isaac is super duper talented and he can play like a like a like a spectrum of characters what personality of of Mark Spector are you looking forward to to seeing Oscar Isaac tackle like you want to see him Stephen Grant Jake Lockley or are you super excited to see maybe as Mr. Knight like which of those personalities do you want to see Oscar tackle like, to me, when I when I think of the of Oscar Isaac and what I've seen him do, it seems like he'd fit more easily into that Playboy um, Grant pers- personality, right? Like he'd be able to slide right into that. Um, but I think what I'm most excited to see him do, and I have no idea if they're doing all this or not, I would love to see him slide into that Jake persona and see what he can do there, because that seems far away from what I think of when I think of Oscar Isaac. Um, and I, I think that I'm not a, I'm not hoping to see the, the Mr. Knight from the more recent runs in there. Um, I'm really interested to see him kind of tackle that, that grittier side of things and see what he does as the, as a cabbie in, in making these, uh, these contacts and, and having all these people that he works with on the streets. Cause that's not what I think of when I think of Oscar Isaac. So I think he'd be, I think it'd be real easy for him to play Stephen Grant, right? I just don't know what what he's going to bring to this other side of the role, but I'm sure that it's going to be something uh, that, that we're on, ex- that we're not expecting. Cause he's, if you haven't seen some of his other work uh, away from star Wars or uh, that awful version of apocalypse, he played, give it a, give it a shot because he can do some things. He's got some, some range. Uh, he's a little bit more physical than what people kind of give him credit for because he didn't have a whole lot to do in, uh, in star Wars other than hold up his gun and go pew, 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 pew. But I think he can. I think he can do some stuff, and uh, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it's interesting to me that they found someone like that. Um, I mean, he's just a super handsome dude. Uh, you know, has oh, yeah. has the pretty much everything going for him. And now you're gonna you're gonna see him try to slide into some of these other aspects of of Mark Spector's personality. And I I'm really excited to see what he does with it. I'm personally looking forward to the Jake stuff because. Like you said, it's kind of, it's kind of, like to, to, to picture Oscar Isaac as a super handsome, you know, he's got lots of girls with him. It's kind of, it's kind of expected with, with Oscar Isaac because he's so good looking. But I kind of want to see him, you know, become um, Travis Bickle for a while and, you know, just investigate the underbelly of the criminal 
the criminal underworld. And, you know, him as a taxi driver, I'm thinking of this role as, um, I don't know if you've seen this movie, Inside Lewin Davis, the Coen Brothers movie, yeah. where Oscar Isaac plays like a, like a washed up singer. He's drunk all the time. He gets into fights. He's, you know, he's, he's sleeping on the streets. That's what I'm sort of envisioning with, with his Jake Lockley approach. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we, then, obviously I want to see the Stephen Grant one, but I'm kind of looking forward to the Jake Lockley one. As for the um, Mr. Knight one, I, I, I kind of want to see some hints of it. I don't want I don't want that to be like the big thing and like for for half the season he's Mr. Knight and by the end he's like moving with the ship. I kind of want them to tackle that a little bit and I think there's certainly room for for them to to go crazy with certain episodes. Like I'm thinking maybe they go with a legion approach where you know they really go super super ambitious and bold with how they tell the story here. Like maybe one could be like a could have like an animated sequence where you know mr knight you see mr knight but it's like an animated sequence and then you got you know similar to what they did with legion when it was just so over the top i could see them going really ambitious with moon knight because i think his his background the comics certainly leads to a lot more more ambitious storytelling and as we've seen with the with the jeff lemire the brian wood runs i think you know there are many ways to tell Moon Knight stories, and I'm kind of excited to see how they do it. Yeah, I think it's I, one thing that I can't kind of get out of my head, and I know I, I'm not the first person to say this or believe this. Um, I have a hard time imagining that Fight Club doesn't, in some way, shape, or form, in, inspire oh, yeah. to tell this, right? Like, and I have this idea of of Isaac um, as Spectre once he comes back from the dead and gets back into, you know, it begins his his pursuit of breaking up all this, you know, let's say it's a uh, organized crime or whatever he's going after. And he just runs himself so ragged and wears himself so thin that he's not sure what he's doing or who he is at any given moment. Right. Like he's, he's bouncing back and forth between these different personalities. And then he just starts to lose sense of who he is and the lines start to blur, um, you know, and, and just think about that, the way that that kind of happened in fight club. I, I feel like that's a great, if if you're gonna find um, inspiration somewhere, I feel like that's a pretty good spot to find it. I think I, I don't think people would be disappointed with um, some of those methods used to tell the story. Plus the visuals, like imagine the Fight Club, David Fincher visuals making it into the show. Oh my God, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty sick, and we're gonna see him, you know, become like Edward Norton in that movie where he's just fucking crazy. So I yeah. cannot wait. Uh, also, I can't wait. Uh, for these uh, shows that, fi- that finally wrapped, uh, Falcon, WandaVision, Shang-Chi, all have seemed to wrap like in a span of a week. It, it was like only like yesterday when when these shows started getting you know affected by the by the pandemic. We know that Shang-Chi director Dustin Cretton got COVID, I think, a couple of weeks into shooting, and then you know Falcon and WandaVision stopped, and they were like in various points uh, of production. So it is kind of weird to see. These shows wrapped in such a in such a short amount of time between each other. But what are your thoughts about these shows wrapping? I I am first of all really happy and thankful that they all got through without seeming to have any major issues, without anybody yeah. getting sick. I think it's it's nice to see that these studios, even though I think they took a lot of heat for trying to get back in um, and get things back on track, I think that it's good to see that the precautions that they're taking are paying off and people aren't getting sick and it's not spreading like wildfire through the productions. Um, and I think that's going to continue 
to be obviously so, so important that everyone stays safe and stays healthy. Um, and I think, you know, as we talk about that, I think Loki's getting down the line towards the end of production as well. I think it's been the difference with that has always been there's so much more of it was done on stages than out in public. Um, but it's just really good to, to see that people are, are learning as they go and finding ways to, to make sure they're safe. When we talked to Brewster during the beginning of this, they were telling us all these ideas they had for, for ways to continue to make this stuff happen and, and be very, very safe about it. So that's my biggest takeaway. Um, I, beyond that, I'm so excited that these shows are done because it feels like we've been talking about them forever, right? Like, I mean, they, they started filming more than a year ago uh, and, and we've been anticipating their arrival and, and, and it's just so cool to imagine that at any moment now we could find out when WandaVision is going to air and if they wanted to, they could probably put a Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer out there for us um, and we've we've learned so much, but it's just the anticipation of seeing these things um, has been so painful as as time goes on and on and on without any Marvel content. Uh, so that that's the that's the other thing for me. Like I'm really excited to finally get an idea of when we can see these things and see what all this great work that they've put into is going to be when, it, when we get the payoff. Could this be the reason why we still haven't heard like official confirmation on when one division is is dropping? Like. Could they have been waiting for ship to wrap before they make any, you know, concrete announcement? Okay, we're done. We can finally announce it when. You think it has to do with that? It, that that's the most likely scenario. You know, they have what they were doing, whether it was just some pickups or some some reshoots or whatever. Obviously, they have to get that stuff edited and put in and make sure they don't need to do more work. Um, so I, I would certainly not be surprised if that's what's going on here, where they, you know, made a decision. Um, to hold off on giving us a date until they were happy with the final product. I know everyone says, Oh, it's no big deal. They can continue to work. They could stream episode one and continue to work on, um, episode four or five, seven, whatever. Sure. They could, but man, it would be a, you'd be cutting it close to have to say, Hey, we reshot, let's go ahead and get going and then find out that the reshoots weren't good or didn't fit, you know? So I think it's yeah. smart. I think that, that it's fine. Um, uh, we still are holding out, holding on to Disney's word that, they're going to have WandaVision on in 2020 and the number of weeks in 2020 are getting smaller all the time. So here we are getting close to the air. And I, I think we'll find out, you know, obviously we're going to find out pretty soon. Uh, speaking of WandaVision, uh, a Funko leaked, a Funko like poster just leaked like a couple of hours ago. I think would you say this is confirming that uh, Quicksilver is indeed going to appear at least in some capacity in the show because the Funko League said that um, they were making a Quicksilver toy for WandaVision coming, you know, sometime next year. So you think that, do you think that, you know, it's a clear confirmation that, yeah, Quicksilver is definitely going to be a part of this? Or you, you just think it's like, you know, like it's, it's Funko cashing in with the uh, WandaVision show? I, I would never say that toys are a clear confirmation of anything because I think we've learned our lesson many times over. But the pops Funko pops specifically always seem to be pretty safe. They always seem to be related to the series or the show or the movie or whatever. Um, I do think Quicksilver's in this. I don't think there's any reason to think he isn't. If Wanda can create an alternate reality where her dead, where the dead vision is there, her dead lover is there. There's no reason that she can't bring her dead brother into that same reality. Um, we saw, auditions for the for what we thought were the twins that were on Vimeo forever ago where they talked about 
their uncle sleeping on the couch. Um, it's just, it's more evidence exists that Quicksilver is in the show than isn't. Now, whether he has some role beyond WandaVision or if he's just there long enough to, you know, to make a cameo, I have no idea. But I mean, so I, I wouldn't say this is confirmation of it, but it certainly is another breadcrumb that leads you in the direction of, yeah, he's going to be there. I think that does it for uh, the news that dropped this week because there's nothing really that I think that I think it's worth worth talking about at least this episode. So you want to get into the uh, Mando season two premiere, which was really really fucking sick. You want to get into that? Yeah, I think that's that's right off the the top of the show. The the most excited or the thing I'm most excited to talk about. So yeah, let's let's dive in. Um, you and I haven't really talked much about it. You you told me after you watched it how good it was. I told you after I watched it how great I thought it was. But that's been it. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear your full thoughts on it because I have I haven't heard them at all. I think this episode is probably one of the strongest episode, rather season two premieres for any show, at least for any I guess widely watched show because it just it was so good. Um, I, I honestly think that that anyone who hasn't seen much of season one can go in and watch season two, the first episode, and kind of understand what the gist is, what's happening. You know, Mando has, has the baby, has to bring the baby somewhere else, and now he's in this town, he has to find someone who can help him um, bring the baby somewhere else. I think it's very, very clear-cut and very simple, which, you know, I was watching the episode, and I couldn't help but think that, you know, wow, the episodic format really, really fits the Mando premise and i wonder if this this episodic thing is gonna fit with the the marvel shows like wandavision or fucking the winter soldier because man with mana it was just so good like you could watch i could fucking watch 15 episodes of this just Mando going to town to town helping the town doing some going on on an adventure on his own but yeah what a great episode there's so much to take in um timothy oliphant is the sheriff with the he has fucking boba fett's armor and they fucking fight a dragon that looked really, really amazing. There's so much to take in, but I guess right off the bat, I was just so blown away by how standalone it is and how simple the premise was and how it just really, really elevated the storytelling, I think. Just how simple it is and, you know, I just can't get enough of how how standalone this this episode is. But what about you? What are your thoughts in general about the episode? I think it's, you hit a good point that it's each episode is pretty standalone. You could, you could watch any one of any of the episodes from first season or this one and, and, you know, not care about a larger story outside of what's going on. Hey, there's this dude, he's got a kid, he's trying to get some help. Um, and so this is just like that, but it's also for people who have been hardcore Star Wars fans their entire life, it has so many payoffs and so many and I tried to kind of touch on this in the piece I wrote, you know, as a, as a little kid, I sat around and, and read my Bantha tracks. And I, as I got older and the internet existed, I would spend hours reading stuff on starwars.com or reading stuff on forums and theories and ideas. And it's like Dave Filoni and John Favreau just came up and, and put their arms around your shoulders and said, Hey, it's okay that you spent all that time doing that. Cause we did it too. And we thought it was pretty awesome. And here's, here's the gift that we're giving you for doing that. It, it's, it seems like it's more than validation. It just seems like it's for someone who's, who's thought about those things and spent all these hours on them. It, it's like finding out that other people did that shit too. And those people are now in charge of star Wars. And so, you know, to, to see Boba Fett's armor 
as as Oliphant's character walks through the door, um, and you just you, your mind is blown. And you, even though we knew kind of knew Boba Fett was going to be a in this series, and then to see the them spend all this time developing who the Tuscans are and and watching him brush the Bantha's teeth, and then to to actually see the crate dragon and to have all these old old callbacks and throwbacks to the original trilogy, which is you know I think we talked about this year or last season that that Mando is is the most connected to the original trilogy of any trilogy of any of the new um Star Wars things. It just feels like the Star Wars that I grew up loving. I I loved all that stuff. I love that they didn't dick around and make you think that Boba Fett was alive, which you get 15 seconds before you were sure it wasn't Boba. Um and then at the end they're like, oh just kidding. It, it's Boba. He's out there watching, doing whatever he's doing. Um yeah, I just it was it was just a series of events where every time they happened my mind was blown over and over and over again and i was so excited while i was watching it and i must have paused it and explained stuff to my family five different times during that and said like oh here's what's going on here's what's going on and i'm sure they wanted to kill me um but yeah just my favorite episode by far um and and just like you said it's great as a standalone episode it's great as chapter nine of of an extended story um it's it's great in its place that it fits in in Star Wars mythology in general. It's just all around my by far my favorite episode and probably one of my favorite Star Wars things period ever. Yeah, as someone who didn't grow up with the original trilogy, like learning all about the Easter eggs and whatnot, they kind of flew over my head. Like the Kray Dragon, like I didn't even I didn't even know until like a couple of weeks back that the, the Kray Dragon was actually in um, A New Hope and. So, so to learn that, oh, it's shit, that's a crate dragon. Okay, that's pretty cool. But man, fucking Boba Fett's at the end. Like, there's, there's so much ideas running in my head on how, what, what Boba has been doing all these years. With, I don't know, like 30 years he's been, he's been stuck in Tatooine. He kind of looks carved. Like, what happened to him? How did the Sarlacc spit him out? Did he destroy this, kill the Sarlacc from the inside? They actually talk about the Sarlacc a bit in the episode when they when they see the cave. But like, what are your what, like? How do you imagine they're gonna they're gonna bring Boba Fett into the story? You think that's just like a cameo just to tell everyone, oh, he's alive, or you think they're gonna find a way for for Boba to actually come into the story organically? Yeah, and and it's funny because before I was when I was thinking about um, what to talk about when we talked about Mando. <clears throat> one of the thoughts that crossed my head is as you see that shot of him and then you turn around and see who it is. One of the things I love the best about this episode and, and honestly about the Mando in general, I have no idea if that's the only time I'm going to see Boba or not. I have no idea if they're setting him up for a bigger storyline. They might be setting up a Boba Fett spinoff series for all I know. They do kind of shit like this kind of all the time. They, and, and I love it. It's, it's a nod that, Hey, he's still there. And if, for me, if that's all I ever get, and then I can continue to wonder in my head, what has he been up to for the last 30 years? How did he, how did he survive? What happened? That's fine for me too, because that's all I've done since I was a kid is wonder what's happened to him. But, you know, so I, I, I have no idea what their plan is. Um, I did, I did like the idea that like Boba Fett is this huge character out of right. And he shouldn't be by all rights. Everyone knows he's got like, you know, six minutes of screen time total in all the movies. And so in, but as far as the fan base goes, he's this huge character, super recognizable. And when when the um, the scene happens where 
Din Djarin's character sees him. He has no idea who the fuck Boba Fett is. He doesn't immediately recognize that armor and go, oh my God, it's the most legendary legendary Mandalorian ever. He doesn't know. And it's just like, oh, cool, another Mando. Give me the armor. Um, I thought that was a funny moment too. But yeah, I have no idea how big of a deal they're going to make out of it. Um, but it, it almost doesn't matter to me. Just kind of, just kind of knowing he's he's out there and been out there opens up a world of stories now. How good is Timothy Oliphant as a sheriff? I mean, throughout his career, he's been playing sheriffs and marshals nonstop. But seeing him as a as a sheriff in in fucking Star Wars. Man, the man is on fire. He's in Fargo, like a show I really love. He's in, he was in Justified and Deadwood, like all shows I fucking love. To see him in Star Wars just makes me want to see him more. And maybe the fact that he's finally hanging out with Disney, maybe we can get him in the MCU. Like, what do you think? Timothy Olyphant for Norman Osborn? Is that too crazy? <laughs> uh, I don't think that's by any means too crazy. I love the guy. I, I've always loved the guy, like you said. All those great roles that he's had are are classic. He was on my list for for people that I wanted to have play Doctor Strange um, back in the day, and I think he would have been a great Doctor Strange. And I'll throw in one more show that you didn't throw in, and I don't know if you've ever watched it or not, but probably my favorite Timothy Oliphant role is in Santa Clarita Diet. He absolutely kills me in that series, um, and, and the kind of that sense of humor that he has in that series, even though it's a little bit more mature would probably make him a good fit for some role in the MCU. And I sure hope so. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that he'd be um, completely off key as Norman Osborn. I think that would be a pretty good role for him. Uh, but God, I mean, the guy can do almost anything. He's super talented. He's somehow still chiseled like a rock at however old he is still super good looking. I'm, I'm all for it. Bring the guy into as many projects as you can. My only beef, I guess, with the episode, the episode is kind of, for me, it's like a 9 out of 10 or a 9.8 out of 10. The 0.2% for me that makes it kind of not perfect is the fact that Oliphant looks pretty bad in the Mando armor. Looks like a kid. Yes. He looks like a small kid wearing an oversized armor, which I guess, I don't know, he seems like a tall, I guess, lean-looking guy. So I don't understand why he looks like... um, like a five-year-old wearing, uh, like a jacket and a like an oversized like a bad costume. Halloween costume. Well, it's a really, really bad Halloween costume. That's my only beef with it. But again, the episode is like practically perfect. And I guess we gotta talk about the crate dragon itself because the effects of that looked really, really out of this world. Like I'm surprised how much they milked it. Like I thought for. Like, when you first see the Kree dragon, like, uh, come up in the town and eat that bantha, I thought that was the that was it. We're not going to see any more of that. Yeah. I was pretty sure that they, wanted, they wouldn't want to milk it because it was going to be so expensive. But, oh, my God, we actually see the dragon break out of the, the cave, come out of the mountain, and spit, like, acid on everyone. And, man, like, if, if I think this is the most expensive shot, I think. Of, of 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 the entire series from the Mandalorian, mm. and if they're willing to do this, like what the fuck are the MCU shows going to look like? Uh, it was that whole fight with with a uh, with Cobb and and the Mando flying around fighting him, and all the the money that went into those effects had to be more than probably what some of the Netflix show Marvel shows cost. Period. I, I just they were. They went all out on that, and it would it would kind of like you said lead you to wonder 
if they're able to do stuff like this, and I know obviously right now Disney's in a in a bit of a financial, um, a poor financial area with with everything that's gone on, but hopefully they bounce back. And and like this is the kind of quality that they're willing to bring to the VFX of these shows. It's it's crazy. That was, I mean, what that was probably a close to a four or five minute sequence, right at the end where they fought that it's dragon. Probably. I think the, the, the dragon probably got more screen time than Boba Fett ever did in uh, <laughs> in Empire. That's true, yeah. and and it was it was amazing, and I love that they didn't they didn't overdo it. Like you said, they got a couple scenes of the dragon spitting out the venom, and you know that those people are like dissolving in in, in horror and pain, and they didn't focus on how gross and grisly that would look, but they they gave you that shot of the of the dragon doing that, and and, and you just like oh my god, like how disgusting it is. But you don't have to sit and watch yeah. them watch the kid, right? It, it's that they left enough of that um, to to us to imagine. But yeah, it was that was a great scene at the end of that? And to think about, I couldn't even imagine what the cost was. But on the on the same topic, how and I pointed this out while we were watching it with my family, how how realistic um, all of the backgrounds looked. And now that we watch an episode after we've talked about how important the volume is, and we know that they've mm-hmm. made progress with it. There were. Did, did you catch the part where they had the lens flare on on the on the screen, and the lens flare kind of rotated with um, with the camera as it moved through? Like they they went enough in depth of VFX to throw a lens flare into the shot. Wow. What part of the what part of the episode was that? I want to see. I can't even. I can't even remember when it was. I stopped it, and I had to explain. I don't know if it was at the end because of the suns. But I had to explain to my daughter, like, look at this. They have this lens flare on. What's a lens flare? Oh, what would happen when there's, like, the sun? Except there is no fucking sun. The sun's not there. But the sun, the sun's fake. And they went far enough to put a fake lens flare in to make it seem photorealistic. Like, they have gone, like, completely hardcore bought into the way the volume works. You were mentioning about how, how Disney was willing to show people getting dissolved in Venom in this episode. And... To me, I think to me, I think the most upsetting thing here is seeing just the banthas get eaten, like you know, yeah. like they were in like because they're kind of they're, they're kind of like cute creatures and they kind of they're innocent. They're like cows. They're, they really want nothing to do with that, but they're getting eaten. That makes me, I guess, hopeful that Disney Plus isn't gonna be super shy with how they depict violence. I guess because a lot of people are like. Ah, I don't want to see Marvel shows on Disney Plus. It's going to be watered down. But I mean, these shows are pretty, as you can see, it's pretty fucking violent. Like we see someone get decapitated in one of the previous Mando episodes. So mm-hmm. I think Disney's got to be willing to to push the envelope a bit. Yeah, not, not everything can be G-rated. Like, and and that's where it comes down to, you know, if you're a, a parent and you just give your kid the remote and let the TV be the babysitter and they see some shit that you don't like, that's on you. Um, you know, that you have to sit down with your kids and make sure you know what they're watching. But um, yeah, you can't, you can't, everything that goes on there can't be G-rated. And, and Star Wars has always has a long history of obviously um, limbs and heads being chopped off and of, of people getting some, look at Anakin roasting on, uh, on the shores of the lava river during, you know, the Revenge of the Sith, like, or uh, did I do that right? Yeah, whatever, episode three. Um, you know, nothing, nothing's always going to, it's not going to always be okay. Like they have to take, push the boundaries a little bit. I guess one of the cool things also in this episode is how 
they humanized the Sand People. The Tusken Raiders. Yeah. Like, for the longest time when I used to watch episode four, I was like, and these people are fucking scary. They, they, they sound scary. And, you know, they got, like, these spears that they, they fucking shake over their heads. And you find out that, you know, they're, they're just trying to survive. And all, all these years they've been, I guess, they've been in many ways been shunned out by civilization. That's why they're the way they are. And I kind of like how, how this, this episode in particular really gave these species, these race of people, some much-needed humanity, which I thought was pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, and I know that was something Joao talked about um, quite a bit back and forth with me, is, and I think he said something in, in the main Slack group chat as well, that, that that was obviously something that they set out to do, was to say, like, yeah, you know, these these things are terrifying. We've always learned to be afraid of them, and they're the bad guys, and Anakin, like, wholesale slaughtered an entire village of them. But yeah, look at them. For- they're just out they're just out to be alive just like everybody else in this in this horrible harsh desert somehow they've they've made their way and and survived and they have something to offer the villagers of of that other colony of that other town right like they can they they have culture they have knowledge that they shared and were able to help other people survive so i thought that was awesome that was a really cool point to, to be made in that's in that episode yeah overall fantastic episodes easily in the top three mando episodes maybe i mean i've seen a lot of people say it's like hands down the best mando episode but i think like like by the time season two ends it's gonna be tough to rank all the episodes for sure it's gonna be it's gonna be a bitch to actually come up with the ranking for all the mando episodes because i can only imagine that things are just gonna escalate from here we're gonna get crazier appearances like Oh my god, we're gonna see Ahsoka Tano with um with uh, Rosario Dawson. So I think this is just like scratching the surface. And if we got Boba Fett in episode one, I can't imagine how episode ten is gonna end. Like what's the what's gonna be like the tag for season three? Oh, it's it's crazy to think that this is a <clears throat> with the amount of stuff that they threw in here that this is just the beginning of season two right like that there's because you know that this can't they didn't just blow their whole load on on chapter nine that's you know of, of the of the series of season two episode one they didn't go out and just say like hey here's here it is and it's all downhill from here you know that some other great big stuff is going to happen so yeah it's it's going to be it's exciting it's it's nice to see them start off strong and know that they've got more to come all right, guys, that does it for episode 69. We, we thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Um, and we hope you continue to, to do well and stay safe out there. Hopefully we, uh, we get some news soon about WandaVision when we might um, be able to catch that streaming on Disney+. Plus, and we will keep you in the loop on everything that we hear. We will talk to you guys again soon. Uh, stay well and take care. Bye.